This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for February 4th. 2024. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. This is season 13, episode number 20, and episode number 405 of the long running podcast. It is the Power Play Post Show. I am your host, Bob Howard. Welcome to a very, very exciting episode of the Power Play Post Show. Um, one of the things that I really like to do is, is I like to reach out and not just concentrate on just one team all the time. As everybody knows, I am a credentialed member of the media here in Binghamton, New York. So obviously, we give a lot of coverage to the Binghamton Black Bears, and we'll continue to always do that um, for the fans of the Binghamton Black Bears and just uh, pro hockey here in Binghamton. However, today is very cool because I get to talk to um, somebody from a different team here in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And so uh, I'm very excited to have uh, Blue Ridge Bobcats uh, broadcaster. He's the director of media relations as well, Brent Wiseman, on the show. So that'll be very cool. And, of course, we'll have six more questions with Gavin Yates, a continuation of our interview with him last week on the Power Play Post Show. Uh, this is the weekend wrap-up show, folks. So we're going to be talking about, obviously, the Motor City Rocker game on Friday night at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena here in Binghamton, where the Black Bears did get a 6-3 win. So let's get right into our normal must-reads. Uh, the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for the Power Play Post Show a lot of new members over the last month. Uh, very excited to have some of the people on. Brent Wiseman, who was our guest. Uh, Jeff Barrett just joined um, from the Watertown Wolves, which is pretty cool. And we have some great fans in there. I really appreciate it. I'll continue to give you as much news and information as I can, either about the league or about, obviously, the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity and as I already kind of alluded to, this week on the Power Play Post Show, Blue Ridge Bobcats broadcaster, Brett Wiseman. Um, and then we have six more questions as well with, of course, the one and only, Gavin Yates. Uh, so very, very cool. So, But again, Friday night, Black Bears take on the Rockers. Rockers are number two in the division. Bears are first in the division. There was about uh, 20, 17 points difference between the two teams going into this game. This was a highly anticipated game, I think, because Trevor Babin was going to be playing in this game for the Motor City Rockers. And I think that was going to be like a true test. How are the Rockers going to do against the mighty Black Bears with Trevor Babin in goal? I think the Black Bears came into this probably 
I don't want to say with a chip on their shoulder, but they're like, okay, yeah, now Babin is here. We're going to still make our mark, dig our claws in, so to speak, you know, no pun intended there, and really try to prove that they are the best team. You know, they don't get to play Columbus this year, right? So Motor City was the other team on the rest of the schedule that they can point to and say, hey, listen, if we beat these guys, we're, we're, we know that we're fine. We're going to be good. We are the best team in the FPHL, right? So the Black Bears played just one game. It was obviously against the Motor City Rockers. They did win the game 6-3. to three. The Black Bears opened up the scoring after Donald Oliveri cleaned up a couple rebounds, 7-0-1 into the first period, putting the Black Bears up 1-0. Insist on that goal was JT Walters. The Black Bears then scored 22 seconds later to make it a two-goal lead with a shot off the stick of forward Josh Fletcher, uh, Sisk went to Liam Anderson, who was initially credited with the goal, and then it was changed. And then Dan Weber also got his first of a couple of assists tonight or that night in the game. With Tristan Wells in the box for tripping, the Motor City Rockers a man down. Two specialty teams' goals were scored. A shorthanded goal by the Rockers from Thomas Delaney and a power play goal for the Black Bears by Donald Oliveri, his second of the game. The assist went to Dakota Bond and Tyson Kirby on that. Now, that goal that the Motor City Rockers was basically set up because of a uh, bad pass in the offensive zone for the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, Thomas Delaney picked that up, took it out of the defensive zone, took it through the neutral zone completely, skated into um, the Rockers' offensive zone, and he sent the pass over to uh, Giuliano, and Giuliano then kind of sent a shot towards Connor McAnanima, who was coming out of the coming out of the goal a little bit, and then kind of got—I I don't want to say he got tripped up, but he started to fall backwards. And when he started to fall backwards, he landed on his butt. The puck then squirted back out to Delaney, who then took the shot as Connor was basically falling down onto his back, could not make that, and that was your shorthanded goal. Probably in the first 40 minutes, probably the only real mistake, only real bad play for the Binghamton Black Bears in the first 40 minutes, uh, without a doubt. The the Black Bears scored the only goal in the second period on the power play from Andrew Logar, 6.46 into the period, uh, Assist on that goal was uh, Austin Thompson and Jesse Anderson. So at that point, we're looking at a 4-1 lead for the Binghamton Black Bears. Now, going into the third period, Donald Leatherberry, who basically took over this game, scored his third goal, his first hat trick with the Black Bears, putting the team up 5-1. This is only the second hat trick of the season for the Binghamton Black Bears. The last two seasons they've had 15 hat tricks combined and only two this year because the scoring has been so spread out amongst all of the players on this team uh so the assist on that donald oliveri hat trick goal was gavin yates uh there's a pretty cool picture going around if you see it it's very cool i did not get a picture of this donald oliveri wearing a cowboy hat after the hat trick um so pretty cool. With Dakota Bond in the box for hooking, the Rockers made the Black Bears pay with a Josh Colton goal at the 12.06 mark of the third period. This brought the game to a 5-2 lead for the Black Bears. The Black Bears then get their sixth goal of the game from the Cowboy, Connor Smith. Um, he sent a rocket past the Rockers 
netminder Trevor Babin putting this game out of reach at 6-2. to two. The assist on that goal came from Dan Weber, his second assist of the game. The Black Bears give up one more to the Rockers with just 38 seconds to go in the game from former Black Bear Eric Organizov, Eganezov, making this a 6-3 final. The Black Bears are now 2-0 versus the Motor City Rockers this season. The Black Bears and the Rockers face each other two more times well, three more times, but two more games coming up this week in Fraser, Michigan, and then they'll have another one, another trip out to Michigan to play Port Huron one time and the Motor City Rockers one more time. Those two games in Motor City this upcoming week, we're going to preview them on our upcoming uh, episode on Thursday. Uh, these are going to be two very important games on the road, and you're going to definitely want to go in there and split as a minimum, but definitely you want to dominate Motor City, being that they are second in the division. You might see them in the second round of the playoffs, depending on how things shake out the rest of the way. However, Danbury is nipping on the heels of the Motor City Rockers. Um, Danbury is starting to you know, pull together some wins. Matter of fact, right now, if you looked after this game that just completed on Friday and the Saturday action, you know, Danbury's got 17 wins on this season. Six of them are in overtime. The Motor City Rockers right now have 18 wins with four of those being in overtime. So it's it's getting neck and neck for number two in the Empire Division. And it'll be very interesting and fun to watch what happens uh, the rest of the way. Uh, the Black Bears were 2-7 and seven on the power play, and the Rockers were 1-4 for four on the power play, but did score a shorthanded goal. Now, the Black Bears' uh, two power play goals were um, Donald Oliveri and, of course, Andrew Logar. So uh, both power plays did decent. Um, I think if you look at the Rockers, they scored 1-4. on four. We scored 2-7. on seven. Totally meets the criteria for how good these two teams have been on the power play this season. A let's look at the stats that um, from this weekend. So we'll get the the final tally of the uh, of the stats and everything for these two teams from that game. I you know obviously we can talk about Donald Oliveri all day long with those three goals. Um, obviously, everyone has seen the news. Donald Oliveri will be placed on the IR coming up for the uh, next couple weeks. Uh, coming out of that game, obviously, he's probably spent a little too much in the tank. You know, he, he just used too much and uh, and everything. Obviously, everybody knows that Donald Oliveri is not going to be traveling with the team out to Michigan. So to have him heal up and rest is obviously an important thing. And to have him ready for the rest of the season, he probably will not make the other Michigan trip later on as well. But the Black Bears have to make sure that they have enough room on the roster or have a good amount of people on the roster when they travel out there. So Donnell Oliveri will sit for the next couple of weeks on the IR so he can heal up and whatnot. Donald Oliveri had three goals in the game. Dan Weaver had two assists in the game. Now, pretty much everybody else, there was a lot of guys with um, a point in this game. Uh, Dakota Bond had an assist. Uh, Gavin Yates had an assist as well, including Liam Anderson and Tyson Kirkby, who had an assist. That's one of the first games in a while that you haven't seen Tyson Kirkby have a multi-point game. 
and also not score a goal. Logan uh, Andrew Logar, he scored that power play goal as well. JT Walters, Austin Thompson, they both had assists in these games. Connor Smith got back on the scoring sheet again. Um, last weekend, he did really well. I think he was uh, he had three uh, three goals, two assists. Now he adds another goal on from Friday night. Uh, Jesse Anderson had an assist. No shocker there. He seems to you know assist almost every single game and on a goal. And Josh Fletcher got back on the score sheet with his goal, uh, second goal of the game, and everything. Now Connor McAnanima, he played well. Right, he saw 28 shots, saved 25 shots, uh, an 8.93 uh, save percentage, and his goals against obviously would have been a, a, a three for the game. He only played 59-10 um, with obviously some of the uh, penalties and pulling the goalie type of thing to get the extra attacker out there. Not a bad weekend, obviously. You know when you have that many people, that many players getting. Uh, points in the game it's very good and again it's all spread out it's not lumped into just one or two people I know Oliveri scored the hat trick but with the 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 whole team I mean you're dressing 14 guys 15 guys right and 12 of those guys have points and it says a lot right there um it, it, it really does so um we're going to go and we're going to talk with uh, Gavin Eats. Six more questions with Gavin Eats coming up next. Then when we come back, we'll take a look at the Empire standings after the stand after Saturday night. And then we'll have our interview with Blue Ridge Bobcats broadcaster and director of media relations, Brett Reisman. We'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. All right, we're back. Six more questions with Gavin Yates. Gavin, are you ready? Yep. All right, perfect. Question number one. To this point in your hockey playing career, what has been your greatest achievement? Uh, probably winning the playoff MVP 2018 on that cup run. Yeah, and uh, just you, I think you said to me earlier that was probably your best year of hockey, correct? Yeah, that was, that's definitely up there. One of my favorite years of hockey for sure. All right, perfect. All right, question number two. Are you a Nintendo, Xbox, or PlayStation player, and what is your go-to game? Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, PC on the computer. Really? But I've always been an Xbox guy growing up. I like um, I like all the Call of Duties. I played a lot of Call of Duty growing up. Call of Duty 4 is the best Call of Duty out there. That seems to be the most popular answer. No no hockey uh, you know, games? Yeah, I always played like the uh, NHL hits growing up. Those are always fun. Yeah, the Sega Genesis. There was that 2004 year where the uh, the hockey was just unreal, and people talk about it all the yeah. time. All right, yeah. all right. Next question, number three: Are you a rock, country, or hip hop music lover, and who's your go to artist? Uh, right now, I'd say country. I like Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen's got all the hits right now. Gotcha. Oh, country guy. All right, all right. Yeah. excellent. All right, who's the funniest guy in the locker room? Uh, I like JT Walters. I've been with him for years. He always keeps me laughing. I'd have to go with Wally. 
Is there is there any story you can tell that's clean enough to tell um, about Wally and why he's that funny? No, not really any stories. He's just a quick witty guy. You know, I think me and him have the same sense of humor, so we always we can just look at each other, and I think we start laughing. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Question number five: What is your go-to cheat meal or snack that you would not say is in your normal diet? So, what's that one thing that you go to when you're just like, ah, screw the diet, screw being fit for an hour, and you go and, and you get it? Yeah, I think uh, honey buns. Really? A lot of those, like the little little Debbie stacks. I'm a big sucker for those. Yeah, like, you, yeah honey buns. I yeah, you get a whole rack of those things. Yeah, you could just you, know, you just show up to a gas station and you get those things. Yeah, they sell the boxes of them, and there's like ten in there, and probably eat the whole thing in one sitting. Yeah, oh, uh, that's great. I love that. That's uh, that's <laughs> awesome. I those things are freaking awesome, actually. So. Yeah, they really are. All right, question number six, last one. A zombie outbreak has happened, and yes, it will happen. I know it will. Um, and you're locked in a ice hockey arena. Who is the one person, dead or alive, that you would want you you would want there with you? I don't know. I know we got some hunters on. Oh, so you're, you're picking a player? Oh, anyone in the world? Anyone in the world. It doesn't have to be one of the guys on the team. Well, this is always the toughest question for everyone. It is tough. <laughs> oh, uh, I have to go with Cameron Yarwood. He's a survivalist out there. Oh, really? So Cam Yarwood. <laughs> Excellent. All right, that was six more questions with Gavin Yates. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. That was Gavin Yates. Six more questions with him. We got Brett Wiseman coming up here in just a couple minutes. But uh, first, I wanted to go over the Binghamton, uh, the Empire Division standings as we go into uh, next week. There is one game tonight that'll be against uh, Motor City and Watertown for the Empire Division. I'll actually make Motor Town's games played be at 34 and Watertown at 33. Uh, the Black Bears right now have played 32 games. They have 22 wins, three losses, or 23 wins, three losses, six overtime losses for 74 points. Their points percentage right now is 771, which is pretty good. They are still sub 100 when it comes to goals against with 91, and they've won four in a row. So obviously the Black Bears are doing really well. The Motor City Rockers right now, um, as we're recording this before tonight's game in Watertown, they are right now 18, 11, and 4 for 54 points. They've got a 545 points percentage. And uh, they've scored 127 goals, actually 30 below right now, the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, They have one win in their books, winning last night. And uh, so the Danbury Hattricks are nipping on their heels. The Danbury Hattricks in third place right now, they have 17 wins, 13 losses, and three overtime losses for 48 points. 
Uh, so the big key there is uh, they're only six points behind the Motor City Rockers. Motor City will play that game tonight. It's say, let's just say, for instance, Watertown wins the game against Motor City tonight. The um, the Danbury Hattricks will have a game in hand on the Motor City Rockers, and it's only a six-point difference. That's two regulation wins, and that, that is something that definitely Danbury could do. So Danbury could sneak in the next couple weeks into second place if Motor City is not careful. Motor City is 4-6 and six in their last 10 games, where Danbury is 6-3-1. and one. So depending on how this game tonight in Watertown uh, versus the Motor City Rockers and the Watertown Wolves could have some serious implications on the Empire Division standings. Um, the Watertown Wolves, who will be hosting Motor City tonight, they are 11-18-3. And uh, they have 35 points. Now, they're 13 points behind the Danbury Hattricks. I have not looked to see how many more games they still have to play against each other. They have only scored 111 goals on the season. And uh, they are 3-6-1 in their last 10 games. And they lost last night in overtime. Uh, So that is their streak at the moment. The Elmira River Sharks are 10-22-0 with 28 points. Uh, They still have a shot at catching Watertown, depending on how the rest of the season goes. Uh, But they are 3-7 in their last 10 games, and they are losers of their last game. Now, what's interesting about this is I have to say fourth and fifth are not necessarily decided, and second and third are not decided here in the Empire Division. However... Um, the Binghamton Black Bears uh, certainly do have a uh, pretty strong lead for first place in the division. And they have two games against Mississippi left, Binghamton does. They have three more games against Motor City. Those All five of those games should be tough games. Uh, the remaining four or five games against the Danbury Hattricks, that will be tough for them. And it'll be very interesting to see how everything shakes out. But that's the way it is. Binghamton does have three games coming up. We will talk about that in our Thursday show. Um, and we do not know our guest yet. We will get that all figured out. Uh, but I do want to take it over to my interview with Brett Wiseman from the Blue Ridge Bobcats, who are, I believe, winners of their last two games. So this weekend so far, they have done what you know we we thought they they might do which is you know you know win a couple games against baton rouge uh you know Whitfield right now i'm sorry blue ridge is actually winners of their last three games so they won the night before uh saturday night they won friday night um all these games against the baton rouge um zydeco um i believe if i look here yeah it was a 3-2 win uh for uh the blue ridge bobcats and then if i Keep scrolling back on Friday night. Uh, they were winners six to two. So at home against the Baton Rouge Zydeco, um, we recorded this on Thursday with Brett Wiseman. But we were talking about this weekend. And what's very interesting is the one thing I didn't mention about the Empire standings: all five teams have ten wins or more. All five teams. That's awesome. That is great parity. Some of the things that the league were trying to do, which I didn't necessarily agree with, there is a positive coming out of it. You know, the the rosters being shrunk down a little bit, pushing some of the good, uh, the better players to the other teams, has 
improved the standings. We do not have a one-win team this year. We do not have a two-win team this year. And if you look at the Blue Ridge Bobcats, they are one win away from 10, 10 wins, and they're in fifth place. And that would just leave Baton Rouge right now, who has seven wins. Another three wins for Baton Rouge the rest of the way, and every single team in this league has got 10 wins or more. And I'm sorry, but that is an accomplishment for this league. It really, really is. Um, so let's see what happens. If you know Danville comes in next year and we have 12 teams, if somehow, some way we end up having 12 teams and all 12 of those teams have 10 wins or more, that is better for the league. It really is. So either way, coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show, I'm very excited for you guys to hear this interview. He comes to us from the Blue Ridge Bobcats, winners of their last three games. We'll see what happens tonight against Baton Rouge. Um, he is Brett Wiseman, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. <laughs> Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I am very excited to have this gentleman on. He actually comes to us from the Blue Ridge Bobcats. He is there pretty much everything when it comes to communications and media, and he is their lead broadcaster. He is Brett Wiseman. Brett, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. And uh, I hope the the temperatures down there are moderate because up here in Binghamton, we're finally getting some moderate temperatures again here in this winter. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, it's great to be on, Bobby. And uh, yeah, I, I would say moderate for this time of year. Yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, I don't know how much snow you guys have on the ground out there in the Blue Ridge Mountains area of West Virginia, but here it's finally starting to melt just a little bit, even though we know that winter is not done yet. Yeah, we're we're not sold on it being done yet, for sure. We we know there's, you know, uh, winter to electric boogaloo, as we like to call it down here in the southeast. But this is kind of what we like to call the fake spring or spring of deception, where it's warm and you think things are going to trend towards, you know, 60-degree temperatures, and then, you know, boom, all of a sudden you got three to five inches on the ground and there's seven inches up top on the on the white cap of the mountain. So <laughs> we, we know we're not done yet, but we're, we're, we're in a fun spot right now. Now, Brett, you come from a, a hockey family, and if, and if fans don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll spill the beans. Uh, you were named after Brett Hull. Uh, obviously, your family, uh, father side of the family, big uh, uh, St. Louis Blues fans, and after Brett Favre, uh, obviously a Pac- Packers fans and everything. Talk a little bit about uh, your childhood growing up and just you know the you know being exposed to the Blues and to the Packers and how that all came about. And, and even the the Cardinals too. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big baseball guy also. But you know, growing up, and a lot of times you can you can kind of hear this in my calls too when I throw in you know a holy jumping or something <laughs> because Darren Fang was a Blues color guy for 15 years. You know, I'll throw in a, an oh baby because Ken Wilson was the Blues radio guy for 30 35 years. That's that's who my dad grew up listening to on KMOX. That's who we would you know back in the days when. You didn't have, you know, streaming or anything like that. The only way for, you know, my dad as a kid or even me early in my childhood, to, you know, because we couldn't afford MLB extra innings or NHL sure. center ice, the only way to tune into the Blues and the Cardinals was to, 
uh, get KMOX to come in late at night and you'd hear Ken Wilson or Mike Shannon on there. So um, growing up, you know, listening to those guys and, um, you know, two, two of my all-time favorites are, are Gary Thorne and Doc Emmerich. And, oh, without a doubt. Um, I knew, I remember right where I was the moment I knew this is what I wanted to do. I was 10 years old. It was the 09 final uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh. And I was watching it on NBC with my dad. And I pointed to the TV and I was like, I'm, I'm doing that. You know, Doc was in a shot in the booth with, with, uh, with Eddie up in the booth there. And I pointed to the, the shot and I was like, that's me. I'm the guy on the left. Now, and here we are. Now, now, was it an immediate encouragement from your father and your family to, to be able to go and pursue that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it may have taken you know some other members of the family a little bit longer, but you know, I think um, I think most of my immediate family knew that um, that that was what I wanted to do because when I was really young, I would run around the house and do play by play of whether it was hockey or whatever. <laughs> um, so I think you know everybody kind of had an idea that this is what I wanted to do with my life and that it was not necessarily destined, but you know when when that moment kind of happened it was it was the seminal nah we knew it kind of moment <laughs> and, and uh did you did you uh play you know hockey or baseball when you were a kid as well i played baseball uh and basketball growing up i was i was never able to master the skating <laughs> but uh i played a ton of of uh ball hockey growing up whether it was in the summer and the winter and played a ton of that in college and um always found ways to um I found ways to fall in love with the game and enjoy it, even though I could, you know, I could never figure out for the life of me how to skate. But uh, that that meant playing a lot of shell and playing a lot of ball hockey. Now, how did you perfect your technique? I've talked to some broadcasters in the past, many broadcasters in the past. Some say, oh, I would grab a tape recorder, you know, because some of them were older, so I do apologize to all the young fans. They would grab a tape recorder, sit in the corner of a, an arena, or even sometimes at their house, and just work on their skill that way. What was the way for a young Brett Wiseman? How did he kind of start perfecting that? For me, it was, you know, and you know, a lot of younger guys coming up will – We'll kind of turn to this, but for me, it was <clears throat> excuse me. It was uh, either sitting in front of the TV and muting it, yep. and you know, I would have a, a spot chart and you know a stat sheet in front of me, and I would mock call the game like it was on you know my own network or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, like I had full control over it and I had full control over the shots and all that. Even when I would go out in the in the driveway and just shoot a tennis ball off the garage door, I would I would call that and envision things in my mind every time i picked up a a shell controller whether it was whatever ps2 ps3 ps4 ps5 like i (laughs) even now to practice i will still mute my tv and call it into my phone on the voice memo and then go back and listen to it um and i'll i'll rip clips off of there that oh i made a really good play i'll rip that and call it yeah (laughs) and throw it in my google drive but no, that just hours of sitting in front of the TV, whether it was live or whether I was playing a video game, just reps. I, I know that when I was younger, I would actually uh, record the radio and in be- the in-between spots that they would do, you know, calling out who they were playing next or the song that you just heard or maybe some news. I would actually literally 
stop the radio, do my own little bit, and then keep going. So it's amazing how practice really does help. And, uh, and a lot of times it is literally just muting whatever's on and just doing it. Yeah, it, it, a lot of it, you know, it comes with, with repetition, and eventually at some point it, it becomes it becomes muscle memory. You know, your your brain will see things, and you kind of you, you blurt stuff out that fits. <laughs> no, it's it's very true. It's very true. Um, talk a little bit about now. You you spent time obviously in St. Louis before coming out to Winston Salem, correct? Uh, no, I was actually born in uh, in Winston Salem and lived That's there my whole life, but. I might as well have been born in St. Louis, the, the way my family operates. But <laughs> so, did you guys ever go to the 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 Carolina the, the games at Winston Salem before you even got you know maybe even to college? Yeah, when, when I was little, we would um, in Greensboro had a team in the uh, uh, I can't remember if they were on the coast or if they were in the SP, but Greensboro had a team in the early two thousands that we went and watched and. My fourth grade teacher's husband was a goalie for the short-lived Twin City Cyclones. So um, we went to pretty much all of their games uh, at the Annex before they went dormant. And then, you know, went without hockey for a while. But we we would watch the – we went when when I was little and watched the Cyclones and the Polar Twins and, you know, when Greensboro had a team. And uh, when the Thunderbirds came back, the the whole city was pumped and – you know, I was at I was at App State at that time, and um, immediately reached out to uh, to Zach DeBozart, uh before the Thunderbirds' second season, and you know, told him that I wanted to intern and would would do whatever they needed me to do, and you know, did what interns in the le- in this league do, and you know, grinded it out for three years, got my shot with them, and uh, and ended up here, and you know, I I think you know this spot for me. In terms of, of of you know helping grow this this franchise and this brand mm-hmm. um, and and the way that I want and we all want the the media aspect of things to be set up yeah it, it's more fun for me because there's there's a little bit less breathing down the neck so mm-hmm. to speak mm-hmm. because things aren't already established mm-hmm. you know I have an opportunity and, and a really it's a it's a blessing in disguise that. Um, I ended up here because I have a lot more creative freedom in what I'm able to do and what I'm able to put out. Um, and I have people in this office that, you know, that, that support me and, and know that my job and my position is important. Um, and, and I have, we have ownership here that, that backs it up as well. Uh, everybody here is, is in it for, the same reasons, you know. No, nobody here is in it for themselves. Everybody here is in it for uh, the success of the team and the, the success of the building. You know, when the ice comes out in the summer, when we have concerts and things come in here. So, uh, what we've been able to build in just the, the short amount of time that that I've been here, and the short, even shorter amount of time that that Jimmy's been here, just what Jimmy's been able to do since he came in. Um, it's it's a complete, you know, flip from what it looked like at the beginning of the year, and it only goes up from here. What do you think was the toughest challenge for you guys with the Blue Ridge Bobcats? Uh, I think probably you know picking out the name and the logo and the colors are probably the easiest thing because there's so many things that people don't know about 
in the background what has to happen to get a team together. First of all, they had to actually build an ice surface and 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 do and and, and create more seating in that. Um, the eight, I, I don't even know how to describe what it was used for before, which was like rodeo and cattle and things of that nature. And they've kind of built an ice rink in there. Um, but what was the toughest thing for you and Jimmy and the other people that kind of came together to build this thing from scratch? Uh, the toughest thing really has been um, getting the word out, really. Sure. Uh, not just not just in this area and up in the Roanoke is one thing, but, you know, there was, um, Barry knew that there was kind of an underserved in the shadows group of hockey fans here in, in Southwest Virginia and Southwest Virginia did not have a professional sports franchise of minor or major league of any kind. Right. Uh, the clo- the closest one was Roanoke. And then you've got some, you know, some summer, collegiate wood bat baseball teams, you know, sprinkled throughout, but there was no, you know, legit pro franchise. And so we came along and, you know, somebody went down to one of the people that worked here at the building, uh, when it was first built back, uh, right before COVID hit, um, went down to Winston with, uh, her husband and went to Barry and said, we don't know when we can't get anything into this building other than, rodeo and cattle auctions sure. you know do, do you have any did does barry the businessman have any ideas and barry said i know a ton of people there that are already hockey fans that would that would beg me for a team that would beg anyone for a team right uh so let's sit down let's talk about turning the the apex center from a a dirt floor into a concrete floor and then let's talk about putting ice in there let's let's get a hockey team and um, it, it kind of went from there. Barry, you know, found great ownership partners in, in Chris and Jen, and they've been nothing but uh, but kind to me. And um, Barry's been nothing but kind to me as well, uh, nothing but supportive. And as is Jimmy and Peyton and Jenna and Trevor and, and all the other great office staff that we have, uh, the, the hardest thing has really been getting people to know. Yeah. Um, because, you know, one of every five people we'll talk to is, you have a hot. We have a hockey team here, and that's another one of the big reasons that we made the deal with uh, with the local radio station to only do our away games because you know it, it's kind of twofold. You know, in Carolina, it was all the games were on the radio, but um, you know that people came out because people knew. You know, here it's it's one of those things where we want it to. We want to have our road games on the radio so that, you know, Tom and Sue are out on a Friday night shopping and they're getting in the car coming out of Target. They turn the car on, they flip it to 107.1 PSK, and there's a, a Bobcats game on, and they'll look at each other and go, we have a hockey team? Hey, right. look, look up when they play next. we got to go to the to the game there. You know, that, that's, that's the goal. We want as many people to know as possible because, you know, this is the only professional sports franchise in this area the other closest ones are Roanoke and Winston-Salem. So, you know, it, it, there's a large population here, uh, whether they're hockey fans or not. And the one thing that, you know, I'm sure you've heard this a lot, is somebody that's never seen a hockey game in person, oh, they're yeah. hooked once they see one in person. And I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me and, and said, I'm hooked in, I, I got hooked in person, I watched one of your games on YouTube, you make it so exciting, you know, 
and it, it's it's those kind of things that when you're building a franchise and building an organization and and building a fan base, it's those kind of things that that kind of make your heart flutter a little bit because yeah. Yeah. you know that you know that you're 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 doing it for the right reasons. Is is this you know part of the reason why you came is so you can you and because I, I I know of Jimmy very much so obviously uh, he spent a little time up here in Binghamton the first season of the Black Bears and everything uh, it, to me it's almost like the excitement of starting something from scratch very difficult to do very hard to do you as you said the word of mouth getting it out there is the hardest thing and everything but it almost seems like for me from just listening to you. You're enjoying this challenge. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it and, and embracing it. And you know, you're right that it, that is part of the reason is, you know, I I wanted a shot with another team, mm-hmm. uh, but even more than that, you know, this is it's not a bad distance between here and home, and um, it's close enough to home, but also it's it's far enough away to where, you know, I'm, we're we're building something in a completely different area. And like I said, you know. It's different than, than what it was in Carolina because um, there's so much untapped potential in so many different aspects, not just not just media, but um, I think being able to build something from scratch is like me as a kid. I was big into creative teams and, and video games and would design fifty different uniforms for. You know, a bunch of for just for fun. You know, mm-hmm. NASCAR games. I would go in and just make paint schemes for no reason. Like, I've always been a, a creative type in in the sports world, and to be able to be a part of something and to be able to present ideas on things that previously the only idea I could present it in would be a, a video game. You know, this is it's a dream come true for me because I'm able to use the portions of my of my weird nerdy brain that I <laughs> normally wouldn't use to, to put forth to, to try and, you know, make this team better. Well, you brought up NASCAR, and I'm a huge NASCAR fan, have been since the uh, probably uh, 79, 80 and everything. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they've done recently that has really kind of like stepped up their game is, is putting a track in at the Coliseum in L.A. for the clash and everything. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I think that's a phenomenal idea. They've brought in different types of people into, uh, you know, celebrating the clash, you know, uh, music and different types of things there. And it's a very fun exhibition type of game. You know, a lot of people are talking about can the SPHL and the FPHL ever – kind of come together, maybe do an all-star game against each other or the FPHL doing it on their own. Uh, your thoughts on NASCAR and the clash in the LA Coliseum. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, and you know, the most fun thing for me being from Winston is yeah. basically like somebody just shot steroids into Bowman gray stadium and boom, it just <laughs> it tripled in size. I mean, it's the exact same track. Sure. It's the exact same layout. Um, it's a quarter mile, Everybody's going to beat the dog snot out of each other for 200 laps, and people come out to see that every week on a Saturday night for 10 bucks. Imagine when you get 40 of the best drivers in the world out there to, to bang doors for two hours in one of the most you know iconic venues on the planet. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and people will say what they want about about NASCAR and what they're doing and what they're going about things with, but um, I will always you know detract on 
uh, would you rather NASCAR just just stay stagnant, or do you want the sport to grow? Yeah. Because three years ago, having a Netflix docu series was not a not an option. That wasn't even no one thought of that at all. And now it's like the number three most stream thing on Netflix and it's been out for three days. So, you know, and and you, and you kind of joke about that, but my wife and I have watched the first two episodes of it and it's brilliant. We love to see the inside parts of the, 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 the the racers, you know, at their home talking about it in the shop, talking about their lives and everything. It's very interesting. AKA what I do here on the power play post show, bringing people in and talking about, their lives so you don't just hear brett wiseman you learn a little bit about him he's a st louis cardinals fan he's a st louis blues fan he was named after brett hull that type of thing is very interesting nascar didn't do that for a very long time and they've had a couple of these docu-series uh usa did one a couple years ago and now um you know the netflix one which i think has been brilliant and of course dale herner jr is an executive producer so of course his mind is a creative mind as well and which is very interesting, but we could we could, you and I could probably talk about NASCAR for about three hours, and and and, and we would have Binghamton fans and Blue Ridge fans probably you know jump off the bridge um, and everything, unless they were NASCAR fans <laughs> as well. Uh, but but it is interesting because it is about marketing, it is about getting that word out and everything. And I got to be honest, when I look at the numbers, Blue Ridge right now, or I'm sorry, Whitville Blue Ridge, twelve hundred and eleven fans through thirteen games so far on an average. For a brand-new team, and you're not even in last place. Now, of course, Watertown can't get up a little, uh, that much higher because they don't have that many seats. But Motor City, Elmira, these are established cities with hockey history, and Blue Ridge has already beaten them. I, I, to me, that's impressive. I, I think you guys need to be happy with that. And we are. That, that's something we're proud of. But, you know, at the same time, we're not – we're not going to be complacent with it, you know. Sure. A- averaging 12, 12, 11 is one thing. We want to average fifteen by next month. We want to average eighteen by you know April. You know, we we want to we want to get to the playoffs and we want to have two or three more home games. Um, we don't even have permanent seating technically here in the building, and the county just approved it uh, a couple of weeks ago. So there's going to be about thirty six hundred permanent bowl style seats in here come next year so oh, this really is, you know it this might look one way to to a lot of people now it looks like it's kind of you know thrown together but um this is as good an arena in the fbhl i think right now even with the way it's set up and you know come come next year when that permanent seating comes in you know the way it's going to be set up the way the noise is going to hit the ice mm-hmm it, it's a hard barn to play in now because our fans are rowdy but you know <laughs> i i I only imagine and, and dream what it's going to be like, you know, next year when all that noise is going to come down on the opposing team. And, you know, if you think it's hard to play here now, just wait. Will the broadcast position be raised up a little bit? It sounds like if there's 36 permanent seating, you know, in a bowl style, I, I would imagine that the broadcast position would probably lift up a little bit. It is, yeah. And and believe me, if I, I have heard the, the multitudinous complaints of, you need to move the camera higher. <laughs> I hear you. If I would, I could. I can't. Yeah, right. those, those cards aren't in my deck right now. But um, we are, we are going to build a specific broadcast booth, uh, similar to if you've ever watched a Duke basketball game, that the kind of crow's nest yeah. up there, or like yeah. they have at the Saddle Dome in Calgary. 
Yeah. Kind of a little, you know, a little caddy corner box hanging off the ceiling that <laughs> has all the hookups and everything we need. And, uh, that, that we feel when we, we, we need to get to get it to the highest point. And, yeah. um, so we'll, we'll have that built in once the, once the seating is done, uh, we'll need to, we'll kind of assess at that point how far off, you know, how to measure it all out and all that. But yes. To answer everyone's pressing questions next year, we will have a higher broadcast position. I, I listen. I, I I've watched a few games and everything, obviously, and uh, on YouTube and everything. And um, I, and I'm like, going, well, I I feel like I'm in the fourth row, looking through the glass to watch some of the game. And again, I realized this all came together so quickly. Yeah, there was probably a year's worth of time, but. It's that's still a short amount of time to kind of get things. As you said, there's going to be some permanent seating put in. 3,600 fans that could potentially come into here, um, and you know things are going to change. It's going to look different next year than it does now. And there, there's room for about four 400 standing rooms. So wow, I mean, when total capacity, we're looking at at 4,000, which is one of the bigger barns in the league, and. When I say barn, I literally mean this. This was, was a barn. You know, Fifteen, sixteen months ago was a barn, <laughs> and to see what it's transformed to, just in terms of there were ten months when things started from dirt floor to opening night. Yeah, and you know, to to throw down the the concrete slabs and put the ice in and put the temporary seating in and extend everything out. It's been a tremendous amount of work from everybody um and to where we are now attendance wise it's and where the team is really too the team is you know so appreciative and you know so welcoming of of the support and the crowds they love playing with some of these people these people love cheering them on and you know for anybody who said this this wasn't going to work. I don't think they could have been proven any more wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with that uh, assessment. So talk to me a little bit about this team. We've, we've talked about a lot of other stuff, but we haven't talked about the players on this team. Uh, you know, who are the, who are the leaders of this team right now? Well, of course our, our captain Cody Oaks is one of the, I think he's one of the better captains in the league in terms of just how he, how he presents himself uh, on the ice and off the ice. Right. You know the the way he he holds everyone around him accountable. Um, we've got uh, Jacob Volf and Vladislav Vlasov, who both have A's, and you know Josh Newberg, who you know well from Bingo. Absolutely, He's one of the biggest leaders on the team. You know we've got a. Uh, I think we've got a really really strong mix of youth, youthful exuberance, and veteran experience. Um, when we were able to bring a guy like Danny in uh, after Carolina let him go, he's been nothing but a, a, a great leader and nothing short of a, of a point producer. Uh, but, you know, that I, I've told people this time and time again that we have, I feel like, one of the most talented teams in the league. You know, it's, it's just a matter of putting the right pieces of the puzzle in the right portions of the puzzle and, and making them all all work together, uh, kind of like an erector set, you know, kind of making making everything flow in one, you know, smooth operation. And, you know, Demi and I have talked about it. This is, you know, we feel like this is the group that's going to take us the rest of the way. And all we have to do is, is get in the dance. And 
when you have goaltending like we do, it's you know it's unfortunate that Christian's been dealing with what he's been dealing with. But yeah. you know when we were able to get Owen, you know mm-hmm. Owen's Owen's not a Owen's not a two. Owen's a one B. Yeah, you know Connor's played out of his mind, but. Owen has played out of his mind everywhere he's ever been. Yeah. So he he doesn't come in as a backup, and that makes Emmy's job easier because, you know, he doesn't have as hard a decision to make on who to put in night in and night out. And, you know, we, we have a, a combination of, you know, young speed and, and then that, that experience and that, you know, knowledge on the back end as well. Um just the, the way that the young guys look up and listen to guys like Cody and Danny and Jacob and Josh and the way that even the older guys will learn things that maybe a Joel Frazee or a Justin Daly goes out there and they learn for themselves that, well, I never noticed that. You know, that kind of back and forth is what I think makes our team so special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been a matter of putting things all together and putting forth, you know, full 60-minute efforts. And, you know, the style of hockey that Zemi's building is the one that, you know, that won a championship because uh, he's kind of coming from the Andre Nietzsche coaching tree of, of meshing the European skill-based style and the North American uh, physicality style of things. So, um, and, and Jimmy coming here, Helping you know Zemi build the roster since he's been here. Um, Jimmy's knowledge of personnel is fantastic too. I mean, he pretty much built the team in Carolina that only lost four games in regulation before COVID hit. So, you know, like I said, we we have one of the more talented teams and, and knowledgeable staffs in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last five or six games we've really seen where things have turned around, started to to come together and. You know, it's the same thing that Motor City kind of went through last year where, where they had to prove to the rest of the league that they belonged. It was a, mm-hmm. okay, you have talent, show us what it can do. And, you know, with in a league like this, you don't have a preseason. Your training camp is sure. two or three weeks. It's going to take until the turn of the calendar to figure out who the group that is going to take you the whole way is going to be, mm-hmm. and it took until about mid-January for us to figure that out. But to see how just how much how much this team has come together and how much more camaraderie they are around each other, how much they love being around each other, it's a complete flip from from when I got here early in the season. Um, and everybody is in it for everybody's in it for the right reasons right now. Let me ask you this uh, before I let you go: uh, Last year. Uh, a couple teams, Delaware, Elmira, barely could win one or two games. This season, we're seeing a lot more parity in the FPHL. The roster sizes were cut down. Um, obviously, 19 uh, people. You know, you could dress 18, that type of thing. Can you talk to me a little bit about whether or not you think that, I mean, because this is my opinion, and I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on this. I think every team in this league um, – at the end of the season, is going to have 10-plus wins, which is something this league has never seen in its existence where every single team has at least 10 wins. Do you think the, that that is a possibility? I think 100% that's a possibility. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to gamble, but if, if I could, <laughs> I, would, I would put money on that um, because you said it, it. It's created so much more parity, and you know it prevents teams like Carolina and Columbus just sure. 
you know, picking guys up off waivers because they can and holding on to their rights and then, you know, trading one guy that doesn't report rights for three other guys and they can divvy up the, the pay and, you know, it, it stops other teams from paying one guy 70% of another team's, you know, entire salary cap. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, you know, it makes everybody kind of more of an, on an even playing field and, especially for a team like us that's coming in as an expansion team, it gives us an opportunity to build and acquire the talent that we already have. And when we go out there and show it, it shows other guys that may be on the outside looking in, maybe looking for somewhere to, to, to bust in and make an impact. Somebody like Joel that started the year in Danbury, played two games, got cut, yep. was looking for somewhere to go make some noise. Uh, Demi found him. He found Demi, and he has, been nothing short of spectate. He may not have put it on the score sheet, but I have not seen him when he's been out there. I've not seen him take a shift off. And that's the thing about a team like us is, you know, and some of the other teams kind of towards the middle or bottom of the standings is everybody feels like they have something to prove. Mm-hmm. And when you see us play a Carolina or Columbus, no, nobody's scared of anybody anymore. Well, that's good. You know, there, there's no, you know, intimidation or fear of, mm-hmm. oh, we're playing the Mighty River Dragons or, <laughs> oh, we're playing the, you know, storied Thunderbirds. There, there's no fear. No, nobody's scared of anybody anymore. Everybody really is on. feels like they're on the same playing field. Right. Nobody feels like they're playing the FPHL equivalent of, of Alabama or the 49ers. You know, we're playing a team in our league. You know, nobody's on a pedestal anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Um, obviously, this weekend, uh, three games against the Baton Rouge Zydeco. Um, when a team comes in for three games like this, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, do you like that? Is there a familiarity by the time you get to game three of the weekend that just makes the broadcast a lot easier? It does make the broadcast a lot easier because I don't have to move anything. But, <laughs> you know, having, having everything set up from Friday to Saturday is one thing. Not having to tear it down after Saturday nights is it's a good completely, thing. completely different thing, and it's a good thing. Um, you know, once I wake up on Sunday and it's, you know, there, there may be an, oh, we have a game kind of moment of maybe I can't, shouldn't sleep in the extra two or three hours that I normally do. Maybe I should get to the rink and do some stuff, but you know, um, it's it's a it's a big weekend for us yeah. um, in terms of not just the standings, but you know we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for for in game and around the game. You know, we've got special ticket packages. We're anticipating our, our some of our biggest crowds of the season this weekend, and you know, for again, this is a place that when it is full even though the seating is the way it is, when this place is full, it is one of the loudest barns in the league. And it's an important weekend for us to have that because, you know, jumping Baton Rouge was was the first real big step towards getting to that fourth spot. You know, we're, right. we might be 24 points back of, of Mississippi right now, but they've got two in Columbus, and then we've got a game on Sunday where nobody else in our division plays that day. So. Yeah. You know, we're we're looking at it as, all right, Mississippi plays Columbus. That's not a guaranteed loss for them, but we would venture to assume that Columbus would, air quotes, take care of business yeah. and their barn. Uh, so, you know, if, if Columbus gives us some help there, Mississippi loses two, we win two in regulation, then we go into Sunday with, you know, one of those classic GIHs, uh, a game-in-hand <laughs> situation. Yeah. 
uh, and and we could you know it could go from where it's a forty eight to twenty four as far as the point differential from fourth to fifth to where you know we're sitting fifteen points back instead of you know where we would be at besides that. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's amazing on how quick when you're talking about three points a game and you got three games this weekend, how it could uh, definitely change. Uh, Brett, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck for you guys the rest of the way. I, I really do hope that the uh, you know the 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 excitement continues to build um, there, and I'm excited to come down and, and may, maybe see a game next year. You know, with this 3,600 seats and and just see how this atmosphere is. Because to me, it's just fascinating. I could just drive into the middle of nowhere, boom, there's going to be a hockey arena, and I can watch pro hockey like that. I think that's the best thing. Yeah, it, it's awesome, and trust me, we we'd love to have you. It's been an honor being on here, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. If you're a Binghamton hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. That is our show for this week. I just want to thank everybody for listening to the Power Play Post Show, from the from the Andreas Johansson interview to Tommy Ray, Gavin Yates, and, of course, now with Brett Wiseman coming on the show. We've had some of our best listens, best numbers that we've had um, in the Power Play Post Show returning to the airwaves. So thank you very much for everybody for coming on. Uh, we'll go through this one more time. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show and join our group. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. And again, thank you to Rob Lopolis, our MC, John Petitucci, our musical director, and the Blue Ridge Bobcats broadcaster, Brett Wiseman. And we had... Six more questions with Gavin Yates. So thanks to Gavin Yates for answering those questions. And uh, who would have thunk you'd want to hang out with Cam Yarwood if their zombie apocalypse happened? I found that uh, amazing. The friendship that these guys eventually uh, just grow and have together is amazing. And I know Cam and he played in Watertown, I believe, for the championship uh, season in 2018, which is very cool. So obviously that friendship is strong, and I, I wish Cameron a lot of luck he, up in Elmira. As I, I know he's coaching some of the younger youth players, which is uh, excellent as well. Uh, so thanks for very, very much for listening. We will have a show on Thursday. We'll be previewing, obviously, the Binghamton Black Bears playing against the Motor City Rockers, and then on Super Bowl Sunday, there will be a, a game for the Black Bears against the Elmira River Sharks. Directly right after the game, we will be uh, putting up our um, show. You may not listen to it because of the Super Bowl. Well, it'll be there for you on Monday as well. So um, 
Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I am Bob Howard. This is the Power Play Post Show. for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.